0: Sound of Hockey episode 91. Uh, now, 91 is a pretty popular number among skilled players, so you might think that we would use this week to talk about Sergey Fedorov or Tyler Sagan or maybe Steven Stamkos, Vlad Tarasenko, John Tavares. But instead, we're going to use this week to pay a little tribute to a friend of the pod who has uh, appeared on a couple of episodes, in fact, with his tappy little paws. Uh, Mr. Flurry, John's dog who uh, sadly passed away this week, so um, we're pouring out for Flurry this week, so this is the Flurry episode.
1: I I appreciate the tribute, guys. It was a it was a long week. Put it that way. Yeah. You had him for how long, John? 14 years. So, and yeah. he's if, if people don't know, he was named after Theo Flurry, mm-hmm. and he lived up to his name—a little little rascal, uh, not really afraid of per- people too much. And and you guys realize that every time you yep. came to the door, he'd he'd attack you. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. kinda. But yeah, he, he was a sweet he packed he, a
0: punch. He yeah, would attack did. us, but
2: then he would be sweet to us later once we got. Yeah, there. he
1: was. He's definitely the, was the sweetest of the yes, three. So and, uh, definitely, uh, yeah, I would so. agree.
0: <laughs> Man. well, I am sorry <laughs> for your loss, John. Yeah, I know that that's uh, it's hard to lose a friend like that.
1: Yep, it was rough. Um, yeah. but he was awesome. Anyway, thanks for the tribute to Flurry. Uh,
0: so this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm
0: NHL2Seattle
1: on the Twitter.
0: Uh, we are going to start with a get-off-my-lawn. We haven't had a get-off-my-lawn in a while, um, but this one is mine. I have a little story to share with you guys. Uh, just kind of a kind of a happening in my life here over the last few days and something I thought would be worth sharing with you. Um, I didn't have to pee in a flask or anything like that <laughs> this time. but Anyway, so... I think I've mentioned that we ended up buying a car because uh, people were picking on me about not having a car for a long time because, like, you guys always had to drive me back from <laughs> Bardown Studios, and uh, hockey teammates would always have to pick me up and give me a ride to games. And um, Anyway, we finally caved to your guys' pressure and bought a car, and uh, <laughs> mostly because during COVID, there's just, like, not much you can do, and you can only walk places, and Uber feels a little sketchy. And, yeah, it does. You know, so... Uh. Uh, I just want to share a couple little things about the process here because this is the first time that we've done this. First off, what kind of car did you get? Can you share that? Or well, I, that don't wanna, I don't. I don't want to share that. It's a. It's a nice car. I don't okay. want to share what kind of car because I don't want to share what dealership we bought ah, from because I'm okay. going to slander them here Perfect. in a moment. <laughs> When we bought the car, we bought it used. Uh, It's only got like 8,000 miles on it. It's it's in really good shape. It's a certified whatever. There was one thing we noticed when we test drove it that there was this little plastic tab missing from one of the uh, air vents. And so we're like, hey, if we can just fix that, that'd be great. That's really all we ask. Um, Also, there seems to be no cargo cover in the back. So if we can get a cargo cover, that'd be really great, too. Um, The guy's like, oh, it should have a cargo cover. We'll find it for you. And and I'm sure we'll figure out the tab, whatever. And then as we're signing, they're like, okay, need you to sign this thing that says, uh, you know, we don't owe you anything else on the car. We're like, well, we don't want to sign that because you didn't fix the tab yet. And also the cargo cover is not there. And then all of a sudden the the tune had changed completely. It was like, (laughs) no, no, we're not giving you the cargo cover. You have to buy that. You have to buy that. I can't tell you about the tab because service department is closed. It's the weekend, but whatever. So that left a sour taste in our mouths. That was Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. So then this weekend, uh, we got a note from my mother-in-law that she had actually bought us the cargo cover as a gift, which was incredibly nice, right? And so we get the car delivered to us a couple days after we finally buy it. And the guy who shows up to deliver it is like, oh, I couldn't find the spare key. So here's your your car and your one key, and here's the paper to sign that says we don't owe you anything. I'm like, well, now I'm definitely not signing this. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now you really do owe us something. And I know that getting a new key made is like hundreds of dollars these days. (laughs) So I text the guy. I'm like, hey, uh, spare key isn't here. So I'm going to expect you to fix that for us. So he says, OK, I'll I'll order it, which was great. So he texts me on Thursday and says, hey, spare key is here. I go, great. I'll come in on Saturday and pick up the cargo cover that I know that my mother-in-law has purchased for us. And I will pick up the key from you. So I get there on Saturday at about 9.20 uh, because Google says they open at 9 and I didn't want to spend my whole day doing it. Of course, they actually open at 10 because of COVID <laughs> hours. Nice, nice. So I sit in the parking lot for 40 minutes. The place opens and I go in and I'm like, hey, uh, here to you know, get my spare key and my cargo cover and the salesman that we worked with is there. He's like, yeah, here's your spare key. And I go, okay, great. What about the cargo cover? He's like, oh, no, no, no. We can't get that today. The parts department is closed on the weekend.
2: They're always closed it seems like.
0: Yeah. I'm like, "Well, okay, but I texted you <laughs> and said that I was going to come pick up the cargo cover, so maybe you could have mentioned to me at that time, right, before I wasted my time coming or, over here to." Or set it I aside. Back. Right. Set it aside. He's like, yeah. "No, no, we we can't get into their computers. There's nothing we can just nothing we can do. Nothing we can do." Nothing you can, nothing do. We can do. Nothing you can do. Like, "All right. Well, I've I've wasted my time. I'll take my spare key and go. So I get in the car, drive back home." Get out, go to hit the button on the new spare key to close oh, the no. doors, lock the doors. Doesn't work. He didn't program it. <laughs> has to be programmed. Yeah. Which I obviously didn't know because I've never owned a car before. So I call him. I'm like, hey, this button doesn't seem to be working. Is, uh, is there something that has to happen? He's like, oh, needs to be programmed. Going to have to bring it back. <laughs> I'm like, you understand that I've now completely wasted my entire morning just because... Like, I texted you and said exactly what I was going to do, and you didn't have any kind of foresight to deal with these two things. So, anyway, get off my lawn, car dealerships.
2: Does, can he reprogram it, or does it have to go to the parts department for that, too?
0: It has to go to the parts <laughs> department, which is only open during the week. <laughs> yes. So, now I have to, like, take time off of work oh my to go get the cargo cover and to get my Man. key reprogrammed, which they didn't think to do. So
1: They do this hundreds and hundreds of times, and they yeah. have so much experience <laughs> compared to how often we do it. so we we really have no chance right like we are literally at their mercy because of their experience so we
0: were going in to uh first do it we had told some some friends that we were thinking about buying a car finally and and the one guy's like all right i bought a lot of cars and just remember that these people are actively trying to you with every (laughs) single thing that they say and do so just bear that in mind i think that's that's true And I don't think that they like screwed it. Like, I think we got a fair deal on the car, you know, and the guy was generally very nice. And I'm just like, you know, I I went through this whole process and I'm just like, why is this so hard? Like, why did it take us hours that day? Why, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be this hard.
2: I, I used to always love to take my dad, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he was just flat out a jerk to those car dealer guys. He, nicest guy on the planet, but he did not like car salesmen and I always took him. He was my heavy he would just tell them right to their face, like, "Nope, that's not right. You're not doing that. We're just yeah. going to go somewhere else." So he called their bluffs left and right. He was great. He was the. If Cascanza. there's
0: anyone out there that works at a car yeah. dealership, please know <laughs> that my first job in high school, I actually was a detailer at a car dealership. So I feel you. I know that it's it's probably a hard job, but I think it could be easier for the yeah. customers.
2: And, so and no offense to any car dealers or car salesmen that are listening, I'm sure you're on the up and up and, and totally more competent than what Darren mm-hmm. had to deal with.
0: Man, this
1: this is a very long intro. <laughs> Get off we're, my lawn car dealerships.
0: All right, let's talk about what's happening in the NHL. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait,
1: wait. Were you wearing your crap weasel shirt while
2: you were there? No, uh, not this time. See, that might have helped. Yeah. Yeah,
0: uh, clearly. NHL training camps opening July 10th.
2: Well, supposedly opening. I'm sure they're still. we're still kind of it, waiting to get all the all clear from medical. Uh, yeah, it's specials. considered
1: the target. It's the yeah. official target.
2: A little earlier though than than we had heard, uh, you know, in uh, the beginning of this process. So that that you know, we were at one point hearing maybe the end of July. So that's that's a positive. Mm-hmm.
0: And it sounds like we might have a leg up here on such sports as baseball, which have come apart at the seams. <laughs> yes. Oh, good baseball pun! Come apart mm-hmm. at the seams, right? Because mm-hmm. there's seams <laughs> on a baseball,
2: like from the movie The Natural.
0: Exactly, exactly. But yeah, so that's an interesting situation to kind of keep an eye on too, because yeah. as You know this this other main sport is happening. NHL does have a still has a good opportunity to slide in and um, take some market share and at least some eyeballs for once. So good stuff. But
1: there's still a lot of work. They still need to uh, pick their hub cities. Uh, There's still like this underlying thing about CBA negotiations and the fact that Mm -hmm. we're not hearing about it is probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. That means they're kind of figuring that out uh, in peace, if you will, and not <laughs> taking it to the press or media. Uh, there's also logistics and scheduling that they need to figure out. And then from what I understand is the training camp would be about two weeks in the home city and then another week in the hub city. And okay. so, um, yeah. and then I've also heard, Andy, you've probably heard this too, is that some of the Canadian teams uh, might consider having camp in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, that, just that... to limit the – there's like really no serious advantage to – having it in their home city yep. because, yeah.
2: We, we'd heard uh, Vancouver was looking at that, uh, and I believe Edmonton might have, or Calgary, I think, was looking at that. And uh, I, I think they were looking to maybe go to their AHL cities uh, to do that. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, which are both in the United States. So uh, a lot to be seen there. I do know that the Canadian, there was one, as far as hub cities in Canada, the Canadian government had a 14-day had a, a quarantine rule for anybody who came into the country, which I know the NHL wasn't really thrilled about, that that would kind of put a wrench in having it, the hub cities in Canada. And I know the premier of British Columbia came out and said that they were willing to negotiate around that and allow people to, to practice and stay as long as they were just with, the, with each other, like in a hotel. So that seems like that was one hurdle as far as you know, Vancouver being a hub city, but we're hearing maybe that Vegas is probably more likely the West Coast hub. Which sounds very hot. Yeah, there's not yes. necessarily
1: a West versus East. It's it's They need two hub cities and, and one would be Ideally in Canada. Well, at least that's what Canadian media is saying. Is, <laughs> is they want to put one in Canada? Yes. And I mean, I, I I don't really understand the advantage disadvantage of. I mean, you, once you get people in one spot, you're all good. But I yeah. think it's probably would be Toronto would be the Canadian city that they'd want to because Sportsnet or I should say Rogers is is located there, and so it helps with their partnership with uh, Sportsnet. So uh, it's. Getting close. Um, and, you know, like we said last week, uh, players are back on the ice for yep. their um, voluntary training camps. And and more uh, teams have been doing that. we see seen more and yeah. more teams now uh, having guys on the ice. What, what's interesting is I heard that Montreal only has like two or three people that are actually in Montreal. Hmm. So there's like almost like no demand to get back on the ice <laughs> in Montreal. And, that, and they would be a city that could could consider kind of relocating for training camp.
2: Did you guys see uh, Evgeny Malkin? I, I think it was either today or yesterday trying to play goal for the Penguins. Mm-hmm. With he, gear?
0: No, yeah.
1: Not with the gear, but he just
0: got in
2: the into the position and then awkwardly <laughs> dove in front of a puck.
0: Okay. Uh, speaking of guys playing goal, nice segue. <laughs> uh, I did a story on NHLTSeattle.com, which you might want to check out about the uh, goalie expansion situation. Uh, and by that, I mean who NHL Seattle might take in the expansion draft as to play netminder, it was harder than I thought it would be. I have to say, I think when John and I were kind of discussing it beforehand, I thought that it would be relatively easy to kind of look at the contract scenarios and just say these are like maybe the four or five guys that we're going to end up picking from. And it's it's not like that because there's so many variables right now at this point in time in terms of um, you know contracts ending. And guys having to resign, and will they stay with their current team, or will they go somewhere else like um you know John, you've mentioned before the the brayden Holtby situation where he's got what's the guy behind him what's his name is it like Samsonov or something like
1: that oh yeah elias Samsonov. Samsonite Samson
0: <laughs> Ilya samsonov right yeah uh so he's he's playing behind um uh, Braden Holtby and uh, people think that he's like the heir apparent there. And um, so people talk about Holtby like he's this foregone conclusion to come to Seattle, but there's another contract that has to be signed in between then. And who's going to, who's going to sign him and not protect him. Right. So that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so, um, you know, there's just, there's stuff like that, that you have to kind of keep an eye on. And it's, it it is difficult, but what I think I personally would narrow in on is uh, and what I gathered from this is that you kind of narrow in on the teams that really have, uh, they're they're definitely going to have challenges like um, Pittsburgh. I think is a very obvious opportunity for Seattle because they have Tristan Jari and Matt Murray, both of whom need to be protected. Um, who else? Or traded? Um, Van- yeah. And Vancouver. Then...
2: Vancouver's got in a situation with Markstrom and Demko. Yeah.
1: And and yeah. even LA has got a kind of an interesting uh, scenario with Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson. Cal Peterson's definitely going to be well. I shouldn't say definitely because sometimes we hear about these guys for a while and we expect them to be the heir apparent, and they just never kind of make it. Uh, like Jack Campbell would be one of them uh, that we've heard about before, but uh, Cal Peterson in LA it appears to be the heir apparent, and and you know people have kind of. Not soured on Jonathan Quick, but he's, you know, people have kind of thought the best years are behind him, but he's still pretty young, um, but he's going to be, he could be exposed. um, So anyway, it's, there's, I love the article because it talks about the complexity of, of who could shift around this summer, but but we're not that far away from kind of starting to narrow in on who will be available. Like you mentioned, Pittsburgh is a good scenario to talk about. Well,
2: and I, I think, I think when, when the season finally ends and they go into free agency, a lot of the decisions that teams make in signing free agents, and not just with the goalie position, but all the positions, they're going to have an eye on what it's going to do to their, their roster for the expansion draft. So we are going to start
0: seeing that have a big impact here coming up whenever it ends. The dust is going to settle yes. a little bit. And then all of a sudden I think it's going to get really clear. Um, and I, I, still don't know that we're going to have the scenario like like Vegas had, where everyone in the hockey world knew exactly who uh, Vegas was going to pick as their goalie. I still don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's still going to be some mystery going into the expansion draft, um, but I think it'll it'll get whittled down quite a bit after this offseason is over. Um, funny that you mentioned LA. I actually didn't include them in the uh, story, mostly because I'm one of the people that's kind of soured on Jonathan <laughs> Quick, and I don't really want Seattle to end up with him. I think you're right he's not that old but he plays a game that like you have to be so athletic yeah. because he's he plays small in the net you know he's not a big blocking goalie that can last for years and years and I think he's just kind of you know like how players get a little slower in the way that they um skate I think he's just kind of lost like a step in net like I just don't think he's he's quite as quick he's al- he's also been playing behind a terrible team yeah. for several years and so. he's thirty
2: four he's thirty four so he's not ancient but he is Creeping up there.
0: Yeah, maybe if you put him in a better scenario, maybe yeah. he rebounds. Well, you he, know, here's but,
1: here's the um, scenario I see not playing out, but th- what you need to consider is: let's say Pittsburgh gets rid of one of their goalies, so uh, either Matt Murray or Tristan Jari um, before before be- yeah before so the expansion they don't have draft, DLF and so out. and then and then let's say assume Vancouver uh, re-signs Markstrom, so then they expose Demko, Thatcher mm-hmm. Demko, so that's mm-hmm. Demko's somebody they. Th- People kind of circle, or, or Vancouver in general, they circle as far as a, a team that could have goalie challenges if Markstrom resigns. But so, so now you take, let's say you take Markstrom out, you take uh, Tristan Jari or or Murray. Who who's reliable as a starter? Right, there mm-hmm. isn't like somebody that's played a full a season surefire, yeah, exposed. Right, so so you need to kind of lean on. You might have to go Jonathan Quick as a contingency if. Thatcher Demco doesn't work out. And Arizona is another one that's got kind of three interesting scenarios with mm-hmm. uh, yeah. anti Ranta. But Aiden Hill's like 24 or 25. Yeah. And so I think Aiden Hill would be a better option than Ranta. But Ranta's a well, better Ranta's goalie right now. So many yeah. Yeah. injury yep. issues. And over he's older, the years too. He's older.
0: And he has to be resigned, I think he I think I remember seeing that his uh his contract ends before expansion potentially yeah so, so Darren,
2: would you feel better yeah. about if they let's say they get Jonathan quick if they also brought in an Aiden Hill who's much younger, just doesn't have the experience yet. he's ten years younger um obviously doesn't have the experience, but he's been good wherever he's played.
0: I would rather they get somebody who's been good in the last couple of years that's also a veteran I mean, I just don't see. Them taking Jonathan Quick. I could be dead wrong, but well, I just don't believe it. To
2: John's it. point about Cal Peterson being their parent, I mean, it looks like he only played eight games last year compared to Quick playing the, the bulk of them. So do they hand the reins over to him or do they protect Quick if, if they have no other better option? I, I, yeah, yeah, I, would I don't think know. they would I mean, get rid of him because he's got a high salary and he's getting old, but you never know.
0: Right. And where they are, though, in their like, kind of like product life cycle as a team you know they're they're bad right they've been bad for years um i don't know i mean i I think you keep the guy that still has years left to play you know and i don't think quick has that many years left to play so um yeah i i I don't see them protecting quick but i could be again i could be and we didn't we didn't we we didn't
1: talk about the new york rangers although the rangers are are, Mm -hmm. have a different weird situation they basically have three starting goalies
0: yeah I got a little duped by that one because they have Igor Shosturkin Georgiev and Lundqvist Lundqvist's uh, contract is up this year so when I wrote the story I was thinking that they would have to protect both Shosturkin and Georgiev uh, and a uh, reader pointed out correctly that Shesterkin actually is exempt because he's only he's only been in North American Pro for less than two years. So therefore, he doesn't have to be uh, protected from expansion. So they really only have to protect Georgiev. Um, I guess they could theoretically expose Lundqvist. It, is that He's, right? like, he's a UFA. But they they
1: do get exposed. So let's we should probably should have probably backed up and told about the rules. They can only protect one player. The people that are exempt are people who have played less than two full seasons. So if they just entered mm. the league this year or played a very few games the prior year in North America pro hockey, which includes AHL, uh, then they're exempt. And so that's why Shesterkin is exempt, even though like you think he's like a, a regular pro because he's a stud in, in goal for the Rangers, but he's only got into North America last year. And the UFA, Lundqvist could technically be exposed, and then Seattle's given a 48-hour window yeah, to talk to, it, to these it, UFAs yeah. to basically say, hey, we want to sign you. Uh, you know, so, so New York would say we're exposing Lundqvist. Seattle would then have 48 hours, if they want him, to negotiate with him to potentially sign him. Uh, to extension or just kind of I don't know I don't know exactly how the logistics go but if Lunquist says there's no way I'm signing in Seattle or the money's not there they's gone they per- they wouldn't they wouldn't take him right so so after those 48 hours then they say okay we're we're not going to take Lundquist. now the reality mm. is Lunquist is not coming here um by <laughs> no means I mean cuz I don't see him leaving New York what's going to be interesting is what he does next year and I, I, like honestly I'm like maybe Lundquist, plays for like new jersey or something it would be really weird uh but i don't know what they do right or they trade georgiev um but um it's going to be it's there's so much moving parts but what's nice about goalies is it's like the least complex of the of the the positions because we're isolated to three or four guys that could potentially be in play here so i love the article and and it definitely got a lot of attention people loved it um and I think we're going to start to do more of that um, because there's some some cool stuff there. So anyway, great article, by the way,
0: Darren. Thank yeah. you. Uh, moral of the story is that we have no clue who the <laughs> goalie is going to be. No, there, um, you've, got
1: some, you've got some ballpark there. So yeah. give yourself a little more credit than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. But speaking of posts on hlcial.com John I know that you also posted uh, about USA hockey numbers and what's been happening here over the last year what did you find yeah out? so
1: it's a, it's a it's a trend I do almost every year I, I take a look at the USA hockey membership player memberships that uh, USA hockey posts in like a PDF uh, and I have this like essentially Database where I have all the data uh, for the last years, but USA Hoc- Hockey memberships is a good proxy for who's playing and the growth of the game. It's not a perfect uh, comp because there's there's ways to play hockey without being a member of USA Hockey, uh, but a lot a majority of the youth associations and even adult associations are kind of tied up with USA Hockey membership, like GSHL, Snow King, and all these uh, local leagues here. You have to have a USA Hockey membership, so it's a good proxy. So, for the first time in in you know six years or so, uh, numbers were down uh, for across the board in the U.S. We were down six thousand players from the previous season, which is uh, only one percent. But the fact that it's down is not a good thing. Um, but one really surprise I saw was Washington State had the third largest increase uh, since last year, and nice. that's behind Hello. that's behind Missouri. Huh. Any kind of theories why Missouri had a big spike? Because they had,
0: were the first ones of the team. Puppy. Maybe the, St. Louis the Blues won some kind of trophy?
1: Yeah, some kind of trophy or <laughs> the Kelly Cup or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And then Florida also had a lot of growth. So Washington State added about 900 players season over season, which is up 8.7% from the prior awesome. year. Awesome, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool because, you know, the, technically – NHL Seattle hasn't really engaged with the hockey playing community. Uh, you know, obviously they promote it a little bit here and there, but, but they're not like doing anything to kind of like drive growth necessarily. And we've got five more sheets opening up in the next or coming online in about the next 15 months. So you can expect a huge growth there. Um, so, and then now Washington state is ranked 15th in the most hockey players registered, uh, Last year they were seventeenth, uh, so they jumped over Virginia and Maryland,
0: and then take that Virginia. Maryland. Yeah,
1: take that Washington Capitals. <laughs> um, Losers. So hashtag all caps. One thing that's interesting is most no of the growth. Mo- <laughs> most of the growth is coming from the the twenty plus age bracket. So that's oh. I I don't know if it's a bad thing. I mean, it's great that adults are playing, and obviously we want to see growth wherever we can, but you know, like it'd be nice to see a little bit more grassroots, uh, at the younger ages, uh, because that's, those people will eventually become hockey players as adults as well.
2: Could, could that be, uh, because adults kind of already know that the NHL is coming and what it is maybe more than a kid who hasn't seen that outreach that you talked about yet.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's a good, good theory. And that's definitely what I thought about is, is there a little bit more hyper aware of of the team coming and people may have been excited about it and said like, Oh, I'll, I'll give it a chance where kids kind of need to see the imagery of probably players yep. and kind of, and watch. Um, so I think that's a good theory. Now there was a disappointing number, six, 6% decline in the six and under category. Hmm. So, which is like where you really want them to start. And, uh, so that was a little disappointing. Now, uh, female hockey, female hockey is growing is still growing across the U S but particularly in Washington state, it was up 7% uh year over year. So that's great. Awesome. Uh, Very cool, Darren. I have a question for you. Hashtag all craps. Yeah. I thought of one. <laughs> what state?
0: What state has the most hockey players? Um, since you picked me out, I would guess <laughs> Minnesota.
1: <laughs> yeah, they've they have always had. They have about they have fifty seven thousand people that are registered hockey players. Jeez. Over fifty seven thousand. The next one is Massachusetts, which is forty eight thousand. So, Man. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a really pretty simple read. I mean, if you like numbers and graphs, uh, but it's it's good proxy to see. Now I do think we had a little bit of a, a COVID impact, you know, the last three months we sure. haven't been able to, nobody's been able to play. And so therefore nobody's been able to sign up. Now that's the very end of the season, if you will, the end of the, so you probably don't see a huge spike there, but, but it is numbers. So that might explain it. And then Going into next year, I'm a little worried about what the numbers look like next year. I think people are going to be a little hesitant to get back in it um, at the start of the year uh, Mm -hmm. based on COVID carnage and collateral damage. Especially with numbers
2: rising on the rise right now, too, as far as COVID goes.
1: Yeah, thanks, Andy. It really makes me feel (laughs) good.
0: Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to our weekly one-timers. (laughs) Whoops! Our first weekly one-timer. The AHL has announced that it, too, has a return-to-play task force in place. Uh, what do we know about their plan? And if it's just a task force, maybe we don't know much about their plan.
2: Yeah, I, we don't know much of their plan yet, but that's but good news. But they have news. a plan to make a plan.
0: Yeah, it, it is good news that people there is... that are
2: scheduled to make the plan yeah,
0: together.
2: It's good news that there is uh, that they're talking about it. And it's interesting how, how many NHL guys are on this uh Task force like Kyle Dubas, Ken Holland, uh, uh, Steve Eiserman, guys like that are on this, along with some of the AHL uh, people. So uh, it's an interesting situation with the AHL. We talked to, when we talked to Stu Barnes, we talked about how the WHL is a gate-driven league. That's where they get the revenue from. The AHL is exactly the same. They don't have a major mm-hmm. TV contract or anything like that. So it's obviously a vital league to be playing you know for the nhl this is where you put your farm guys and there's a lot of unknown right now i i I talked to an ahl player last week and he he has he kind of is like i don't really quite know where i'm going to be playing next year what's going on he had some ideas but they're still kind of all hanging in the wind so it's good to see that this is moving forward and that there's going to be a plan here pretty soon
0: our other i was gonna say our next weekly one time we only have two so our next weekly our other weekly one timer (laughs) ryan reeves back in vegas for two more years how do you like that John's loving this. Yeah. Yeah. He finds and, a way. John's favorite and, player.
1: I mean, he's getting paid pretty well. Like, <laughs> I think he's, he's just, he's not just a goon fourth liner, right? Like, and, and it was evident even in the playoffs, he played quite a bit. Um, I probably don't give him enough credit, Um, but uh, 1.75 cap hit per year. Now relating it back to Seattle, Vegas. One, one thing we didn't say is Vegas is actually exempt from the uh, expansion draft. So there's really no impact he will have. I didn't think he would be protected even if Vegas was in the expansion draft, but uh, good on
0: him. There you go. That wraps up our weekly (laughs) one-timers. And we close with our tweets of the week. We're moving right along, making a little bit shorter episode this week. Uh, My tweet of the week is not really hockey related and it's actually a string of tweets, but I thought it was very interesting and uh, poignant with what's been happening in the world. Just thought I should share it. Uh, So basically it comes from, uh the quarantined sorcerer is the person's name clearly Um, yeah it's about the two sprinters from 1968 that uh raised a fist when they got on the podium tommy smith and john carlos uh it's a very iconic picture uh you know one of them is in first is on the first place uh, on the podium he's got his right hand up with a black glove on uh the other one is on the third place podium, he's got his left hand up with a black glove on. And then second place, there's a white man from Australia. And this is about the, the the white man. It says the white man in this photo is Peter Norman from Australia who finished second in the 1968 200 meter final. Norman stood in solidarity with the American black athletes. It was Norman who suggested when discovered they only had one pair of black gloves to each wear one.
1: Hmm.
0: Norman asked them if they had another Olympic project for human rights badge that he could wear while he stood with them. And they didn't, but another Olympian, white rower... Uh, Paul Hoffman did and loaned it to Norman. So Norman actually wore the badge with them. Uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos would be suspended from the Olympic team, stripped of their medals and expelled from the Olympic village, uh, you know, for, for raising their fist. The rower Hoffman, meanwhile, who just, all he did was give up his badge uh, was accused of conspiring with them. Norman was ostracized from the Australian team, Uh, which had its own apartheid he would not be able to compete in the 1972 olympics and was repeatedly given the opportunity to redeem himself by condemning smith and carlos but he remained ostracized even during the 2000 sydney games even though he still holds the australian record set in 1968 peter norman died suddenly in 2006 of a heart attack and among his pallbearers funeral were tommy smith and john carlos who remained good friends uh, with norman throughout the years um, and in 2012, the Australian government finally apologized to Norman. So that's six years after he died. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Insane. Um, admitting what they'd done to him, uh, by keeping him off the 72 team was wrong and they recognized his achievements. Um, so John, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but at San Jose state university, they have a statue of Smith and Carlos. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's the, it's them on the podium. Uh, and it only has them. So Norman is not included on the, on the podium. Um, and the, the end of this tweet here says that at San Jose State University, a statue of Smith and Carlos was erected. Carlos said Norman wanted the second place podium to be left empty so that people could come and stand there themselves uh-huh. to stand in solidarity with Smith and Carlos as he had in 1968. So, Who? man, um, just whose
1: tweet. Whose tweet was that? I've never not heard again, that again,
0: 127 is the handle, um, but they're calling themselves Sierra and the Quarantine Sorcerer. I knew that story. Uh, yeah, really? Because I did re- not. I, I yeah, felt I like I, I learned a lot from yeah. reading that thread, so I was happy to stumble upon it. That's a great um, story. Is it? That? Yeah.
1: That's almost like the more you know. <laughs> it is.
0: It kind of is, but it's also a tweet of the week. And, um, Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, thanks I, for sharing. I thought sharing. it should be shared. And, um, you know, again, not really hockey-related, but I people think... People-related. Exactly. People relate to it, and I think that, you know, we need, to, we need to continue to have these dialogues, even though, obviously, there's plenty of people having the dialogues out there, but, um, you know, if we can take a moment to learn something new or just do anything to you know better ourselves as in this light in terms of what's happening in the world I think it it means a lot and um, I've talked a lot about this with you know with my friends and uh, my family and what's what's happening in the world and if I can say that like no matter what happens in terms of changes actually occurring with you know how people are policed how um, race is viewed in the world I think that this does have an impact just on a micro level on every person in the Maybe even in the world, but definitely in the U.S. And so I really, really hope that the vast, vast majority of people will at least kind of think twice about something that they see that could be racist, right? Which maybe they wouldn't have thought twice about it before. Maybe they speak up if they see somebody doing or saying something that's a little questionable. And um, so anyway, I, I just I came across this thing and it, it impacted me a little bit and it taught me something and it made me feel like you know I wanted to wanted to stand up with with Smith and Carlos as well and. Um, so I thought I should share it all with you.
2: Yeah, that's a great story. I, I had not heard that story, but that's pretty amazing that, that uh, all those, uh, the repercussions that were given to those guys, just kind of being there peripherally and helping out is pretty shocking.
1: And and think about the raised fist has almost been, I mean, yeah. granted the Black Panthers were big on the raised fist, but um, that is probably the most memorable moment, I yep. think. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I knew that part kind of, of it. That yeah. movement.
0: Yeah. Uh, Andy, your tweet of the week was yours a little bit lighter, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, definitely a little bit lighter. Uh, <laughs> mine
2: comes from friend of the pod, Allison Lucan. Um, And it's not so much what she wrote on her tweet, but the the image that she retweeted. So Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, if you have heard of him, Mm -hmm. not a friend of the pod yet. I'll throw that out there. Not yet.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, not yet. Friend of John's. <laughs> that would be, right. be incredible. I, I asked yeah. him a
2: question once in a press conference, but that's as close as we get. He went on ESPN this afternoon with all the other major sports commissioners to talk about uh, re- returning to play. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but Bettman was outside in like his backyard or somebody's backyard, and there's a hedge. And for some reason, they thought they needed to put <laughs> yeah. a, a goalie, a goal behind him. So there's a goal half in the picture, uh, just a random net. And then at one point, a squirrel comes waddling up uh, behind him and stops for a bit uh, in camera, in the shot. Uh, to, eat a, to eat a nut or something. So pretty cool, Uh, pretty cool, funny to see. Uh, I don't know why they had to have a net there, but I guess to remind everybody that he's a hockey guy. So,
1: so wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be incredible <laughs> if we found out that he takes shots in the back of his yard? That from would time be to
2: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Did I play a little and, roller hockey out there? Maybe he was sitting on a roller hockey rink or something. What,
1: yeah. And what's also funny is I always assumed he lived in Manhattan somewhere, right? And so like where he in was. the world do you have a, can you get a, even a goalie net? In, I mean, you know, he, I'm sure he's made a lot of money over the years, and, uh-huh. and he might be able to afford it. But there is like no space in Manhattan. But he definitely uh,
0: does not live in Manhattan. I think he's a he's he a car service to yeah. Connecticut kind of a guy, or maybe Long Island, something like that. It looks more okay. like Connecticut or Long Island. Just yeah, yeah. Tree. there's but,
2: trees in the background. There's a hedge. It looks really nice.
1: I just think it would it would be awesome if we like got random footage of him taking some <laughs> shots in the backyard. <laughs> But the goalie net and the squirrel—it was just a great, yeah.
2: a great image, uh, you know. And, and uh, I, yeah, I do love that good. he was trending on Twitter today because apparently people are saying he's not as bad as. Uh, hey,
1: you stole my tweet of the week. Oh
2: shoot! I'm yeah. Sorry. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, never mind.
0: He yeah. lives Alaska. in Saddle River, New Jersey. I just googled it. Oh, uh, there you All go. All right. Thanks. Kay. The more. You John, mean. your tweet of the week that Andy just stole from you. <laughs> sorry. So uh,
1: mine isn't necessarily one tweet, but I'll read a tweet. But it was when Gary Bettman was starting to trend, which was pretty cool. And. <laughs> And it wasn't because of the squirrel or the net in his in his yard, (laughs) but it was it was in relation to uh, Rob Manfred, who uh, from uh, the MLB kind of announced that he's not sure there's going to have an MLB season this year, Uh and like allegedly four days, yeah, (laughs) yeah, a couple days after saying. Oh, there'll definitely be a season. Uh, I I don't even know how he's negotiating this thing, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, everybody was saying like, oh, congratulations to Gary Bettman because he's you know he's he's now not the worst commissioner or you know <laughs> of all time. But there's one that uh, this guy Todd Furman uh, tweeted updated commissioner power ratings and it has Dana White, Roger Goodell, Gary Bettman, Don Garber, Adam Silver. Those are the top five, and then dot dot dot. 97, Rob Manfred. So, <laughs> so, and and honestly, I mean, I know this is, I'll probably get destroyed online about this, but I've always been a fan of uh, Gary Bettman because he's really brought, the, he believes in the sport and brought it south. And also is a big contributor to, uh, I think one of the sole contributors to really make sure that Seattle got a team. So I will never say a bad thing about Gary Bettman and I've got to meet him twice and uh, we didn't talk much, but extremely nice and uh,
0: met with a lot of fans around me. And I thought
1: I will always be thankful for him putting a team in Seattle.
0: This wraps up episode 91. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review on iTunes. We haven't gotten one for a long time, which I don't know what's going on. Maybe we just haven't been pestering people as much, but um, leave a review. We'll read it for you next week and uh, we will talk to you all very soon. Thanks so much. Cheers. Oh, yeah. yeah.